Awesome. Well, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, we're going to get straight into the Word of God this morning. Uh, so if you have a Bible with you, you can open it up on your device, or you can, um, yeah, open the book if you bought that book. Um, just want to also just agree with the thank you uh, for the generosity that the church is um, bringing uh, just around supporting the initiatives, uh, what's happening in the community. Uh, we still doing firewood next week as well? Yeah, so um, Ashton mentioned, but we've got about, well, we've got more than a dozen nominations in the community, but we've, we're going uh, to send out 10 uh, carloads of people with firewood next Sunday morning to deliver to people in the community as well as part of the Church in Action. Uh, I read in an article this morning that um, the time is finished where we just expect people to come to church. It's time for the church to go to the people. And uh, that is, uh, that is uh, one of the outcomes, I think, or the blessings you could say, out of um, COVID lockdown season is that we all had a wake-up. And uh, we got to change how we operate in some ways. Um, okay, here's my big idea for today. If you're taking notes, uh, you want to write this one down. If you tune out after this, uh, then just make sure you grab this one thought before you do. Everybody fits somewhere. Nobody fits nowhere. Everybody fits somewhere. Nobody fits nowhere. I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, scriptures today, I'll read them out for you so you can write them down in your notes or find them and read along with me. 1 Corinthians 12 and chapter 12. The Apostle Paul writes this, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. I want to jump down to verse 27, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. I especially want to highlight that phrase there. Each of you is a part of it. You see, everybody fits somewhere. Nobody fits nowhere. In the middle of this passage, Paul gives some explanation. So let's just read. It's, it's uh, seven verses from verse 14 onwards. I guess that's eight. Eight verses. Verse 14. The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, it doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. I especially want to emphasize the middle of verse, or the second half of verse 18. God has put each part just where he wants it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your scriptures. Uh, I honor this as the living, breathing word of God. It's dynamic in that it gives us life as we read it. And as we partner with the Holy Spirit, you speak to us. So God, this morning, we open our hearts to hear from you. Each one of us has ears. 
Each one of us has an ear to hear. So may we all be ones who hear your word this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, last week I showed you this box. This, not this box, this box. This box here, and I'm going to be really careful to not to drop it uh, because I don't know if you can read the number on the box, but it says there are 5,000 pieces in this jigsaw puzzle. And I'm really, really uh, sad to report that there are the same number of pieces in this box as there were last week, <laughs> which means the puzzle's made no progress. Grace. But um, this is a really, really big puzzle. And um, this week, uh, Doug Schubert thought he would be very funny, and he delivered to me a gift that he successfully completed, and I have evidence of that, uh, but I'm afraid that I'm quite not sure I'm quite up to that one. It's only 500 pieces, but can you see what those 500 pieces might look like? And I think I'm going to talk about jigsaw puzzles again as I did last week because I believe the analogy of the jigsaw puzzle really fits well, pardon the pun. You may be thinking, because the jigsaw makes a picture, doesn't it? Jigsaw makes a picture. And if if you're a little bit slow on the analogy, I'm trying to say that we're all part of a jigsaw puzzle. But you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm an odd shape. Are you thinking that? I'm not sure where I fit might be what some people are thinking. Or uh, in, in regards to not so much this one, because it's, do you call that monochromatic? Is that a word? Ooh, I'm not sure. I have to check. But anyway, this one is not. This one is many colors. And you might think, do I have a strange color on me? Am I strange? And you might even be asking, do I fit here or do I fit anywhere? What I want to do through the course of this morning is I want you to see something very intentional. I want you to see yourself as a piece of God's masterpiece. The the creator, the almighty creator, the sovereign Lord, has made a masterpiece. He's dreamed it up before time, and he dreamed up that you would be in that masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has intentionally designed a masterpiece of which you're a part, and he wants us to find out, to discover that everybody fits somewhere. Nobody fits nowhere. Let's put this in context because we're in the middle of a series. Uh, We launched a series a couple of weeks ago called Metamorphosis. The idea that God is doing something that would cause a visible change in shape that we would see before our eyes. It's a transformation and Craig launched that and last week I spoke about uh, the transformation. Let's be transformed each one of us. So pop quiz Who can remember the four parts of the series that Craig spoke about? I mentioned them last week. There are four key words as part of metamorphosis. Who can tell me what they are? Awakening was number one. Prayer, number two. Commissioned, number three. Ecclesia, number four. And Craig defined those. If you haven't seen that message, grab it. It's it's online. I'd just like to point out, next week, the theme is Ecclesia, 
being the mobilized church outside the building. Now do you know why we're putting our sneakers on? We're not teaching on it, we're demonstrating it. You are called to be the church mobilized in the community. You are called to go and deliver firewood or to um, have a cup of tea with someone or to play a game of rummy cub if that's what they want. Why? Because it's time for the church to go to the people. And that's what Ecclesia is. And that's the lesson for next Sunday. I really, really hope you're part of it. This week, I'm speaking about commissioned. I've shared with you in many different contexts, I did mention it last week, that I really believe God is preparing the church for a move of God. I believe that move of God for Tiawa Mutu is imminent. It's this very specific word God gave me. This is a seasoning for awakening, for renewal and revival. A move of God is imminent. During the lockdown period, which also now seems like a lifetime ago, in March and April and May, <laughs> we met on, in, in a Zoom prayer room twice, twice a day uh, for prayer, those that could make it, and we were praying, and, and one specific prayer meeting, I remember there was a prophetic word, and I, I believe it was Deborah Brown that brought it, but it really birthed something in me, and I want to share that with you because it's got real context for this morning. The prophetic word described the church as a vineyard, and a vineyard that was expanding, so the prophetic word that came through, I believe it was Deborah, was that the, the borders were stretching and the vineyard, the expanse of the vineyard, was growing larger. The outcome of that expansion was that the vineyard owner needed to have more workers because the area of the vineyard was becoming bigger, there was more to take care of, there was more to tend to, and that meant the best outcome would be for more workers to be employed in the work of the vineyard. This was a prophetic word for the church. And I really feel that God is saying something to us. And in addition to that, he says today, I will position people in the place of their gift or strength for the fruitfulness of the vineyard. For the fruitfulness of the vineyard. So that's why I want to bring you a message on commissioned. Because the title of today's message is Everybody Fits Somewhere. Everybody Fits Somewhere. One of the guys that's been uh, leading us through this journey is Joshua, as in the biblical character Joshua. We've um, spoken about the story at the beginning of Joshua many times, and I believe there's further revelation that this uh, character in the narrative is going to reveal to us, and I want to look at him this morning, and I want you to see how his journey looked, and I want you to relate to it in, insofar as your journey. Joshua has much to reveal. Last week, I spoke from Joshua chapter 5, a very short passage, and in reference to that this morning, I just want you to look at Joshua's response to the commander of the Lord's army. The commander of the Lord's army turns up, and it's a bit of a significant moment for Joshua. Get the message from last week to find out why, but I want you to see Joshua's response. His heart response is an example of what our heart response should be. Joshua says this in the second half of verse 14. Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? That was his response when he stood before God. I'm at your command. What do you want me to do? Our response should be that, the same as Joshua. If you flick backwards a page or swipe backwards, two pages, you'll get to Joshua chapter 3. This was a very, very key passage of Scripture us through lockdown 
which we believed was a time of preparation. The key verse for the encounter night next Sunday at 5 p.m. is Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. Joshua says to the people, purify yourselves. In some verses, the translation says, consecrate yourself or ready yourself, prepare yourself. For tomorrow, means soon, the Lord will do great wonders among you. We have an expectation, an urgency, and a hunger inside of us that we would believe, we'd literally have an expectation, each one of us, that God was about to do his wonders amongst us. Joshua had an ear to hear that. He was open to it, and he was prepared to receive it. Well, why was Joshua ready to receive that? Well, if you flick back a page, you're going to see that the Lord gave him specific instructions in Joshua chapter 1. He gave him a very clear message, um, and the first nine verses of the book of Joshua would be very good for you to review in your quiet time this week. But specifically, I'll just read verse 9. This is my command, says God. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So God, um, Joshua had a response to say to the, army of, the commander of the Lord's army, whatever you want, I'm listening. Why did he do that? Because he had been in a position where he was prepared by God, he was consecrated by God, he was ready and expectant to see God do marvelous things. Well, what made him want to get ready? He, well, he had this word from the Lord that says, be strong and courageous, for you will do mighty things. There's a readiness about what God was going to do, but it's not even the beginning of the story. If we flip back a couple more pages, Exodus 31 and verse 23, no, sorry, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31, verses 23. The Lord commissioned Joshua, here's the word that we've been looking for, the Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, with these words, be strong and courageous for you must bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore that I would give them. The promise I made, says God, is about to happen, and Joshua, I need you to lead the people into that. So the Lord commissioning Joshua, saying, be strong and courageous, exactly the same words we just read in Joshua 1. So the command from God to Joshua to be strong is a commissioning. It's a commissioning. But I want you to see one more thing. So we're going to go backwards again. Numbers. Numbers 27. Numbers 27, starting at verse 18. It's really good for us when we read the Bible to understand cause and effect. When we see something happen, in my mind, I now go, why did that happen? Is there something that I can do? Is there something that I can pray? Is there something I can expect? Is there a way that I can posture myself before God if I want to have the same? And this is why I like to go backwards in the Bible to find the cause and effect. Numbers 27 verse 18. Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, capital S. That's really interesting to me, but we won't go there. Has a spirit in him and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar, the priest, before the whole community. Publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him so the whole community of Israel will obey him. When the direction of the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before the priest who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord, to determine his will. 
This is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel will determine what they should do. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to the priest and to the whole community. Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord has promised. So we can see here that the Lord commissions Joshua. And so too is it with Zion and Zion people. The Lord commissions each one of us. He commissions us. He draws us into something. There's a cause and effect that I want you to see in Joshua, and there's a cause and effect that I want you to look to discover in your life. Why? Because everybody fits somewhere. Nobody fits nowhere. Nobody fits nowhere. Well, what does the word commission mean? So you look up a Bible dictionary, and the Hebrew word that is used right there in that verse has a meaning. And the word commissioned means to lay a charge upon or give a charge to someone, meaning that there's a target, an individual, a person who is being commissioned. It means to appoint them to something or give them an order to do something. So there is the, the, the word commission means that I'm, God is saying I'm giving this person something specific. Remember Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You are part of God's masterpiece. You are commissioned, appointed, or charged to be a part of that masterpiece. It's an assignment that God has for you. And I want to make something really clear here. God has given each one of a purpose, but I want you to know that your commissioning is not just about what you do. God is appointing you and who you should be. Not just function, but identity. We're not just looking for a list of jobs to do from God. We're in a dynamic, life-giving relationship with the creator of all life, and he says, hey, I see you, and you're a masterpiece, and I want you to be part of my story. And here's what that looks like. It's called being commissioned. Another way to see the word of the word commission defined would be to think of it this way. Co-mission means on mission with another. Co-mission means on mission with another. Or you could say co-mission means a joint mission, meaning not in isolation. No one in this building is a single piece of a jigsaw puzzle that stands alone. But also, think about this, if you're commissioned by God, then you're commissioned for God. The word consecrated means to be set apart by God, but it also means to be set apart for God. You were created for his pleasure and to glorify him. That was why God created you. When God commissions you, he joins you on your mission, not just in what you do, but in who he wants you to become. Before I move from the definition of commission and show you how it plays out, I just wanted to point something out, because like I said, I like to look at cause and effect. So let's just go back three more verses to verse 15. Numbers 27, I'm just looking at verse 15 to 17. Moses is having this chat with God, and Moses says to the Lord, Moses has just had a, a little bit of announcement from God, and Moses says, in response to that, he says, O Lord, you are the God who gives Breath to all creatures. Please appoint 
a new man as leader for the community. Give the people someone who will guide them wherever they go and who will lead them into battle so that the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Know this, I'm praying for you. As Moses prayed for the people that a leader would replace him, I'm not looking to be replaced, but I want you to see that I'm praying for you. The leaders are always praying for the sheep that they would find their place of being commissioned. Why? Because everybody fits somewhere. Nobody fits nowhere. The text shows us what it's like to be commissioned. How does it happen? You know, is God a God of cause and effect? Yes, he is. Is God a God of process? Sometimes, if he chooses. But we like to understand how God works so we can partner with him. So let's look at this passage in Numbers 27 from verse 18 and 19, and let's understand what this means to be commissioned. What does it mean for God to make us, uh, to draw us, and to include us in this masterpiece that is his story that we get to partner with in? Verse 18, Numbers 27, verse 18. It's just three simple things. The Lord replied. Well, there's your first key. God speaks. The first thing that happens in any commissioning of any person as part of God's story is God speaks. God initiates. There's a prophetic insight into everybody's assignment. God desires to speak. God desires to be active. God desires to be involved. God wants to lead us. It's not just that we sit around, have a committee, and look at Gary and go, well, I reckon Gary would be good to you know, do that job over there. No, 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 no. It's not what it's like. It's like when we're praying and God says, see my son Gary. This is who I've made him to be. Call that out of him that he might discover it for himself and glorify me in the process. That's how God works. Number two. The Lord says, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit on him, and lay your hands on him. Now, this is a church thing, but you can see it originates in the Bible. Don't be confused, though, because in some Bible verses in the Old Testament, to lay hands on someone is to discipline them or to fight against them. But in the New Testament, when Paul starts talking about, and we'll see this in a minute, when Paul starts talking about the laying on of hands, he's talking about a connection. He's talking about a partnership. He's talking about being one with each other. And it's a part of God's design. So the laying on of hands in prayer is the second part of commissioning. God speaks, God initiates, God calls forth that which he designed. And secondly, the laying on of hands. Thirdly, in, the, in, in verse 19, it says, publicly commission him to lead the people. What I'm seeing this to mean is that there is a, a commissioning that is acknowledging what God has said, what we believe is happening, and an agreement to be part of it. And the, and the reason that that's so important is because I don't want anyone to think that they're an island, that they're isolated, that they're disconnected. We're all part of something much, much bigger, and it's called God's narrative. We should... We should ha all have this expectation. This is not just, well, it's all right for you, you're the leader. I mean, I did have a commissioning. 
of, of my appointment here as, as a pastor. I stood on that stage and I was surrounded by people who had been in this church a long time and, and there was representatives from Acts Church New Zealand. It was a public acknowledgement of what God had prophetically declared that I had chosen to agree with that was then accepted by everybody and a willingness to be part of the story. Because when we say yes and amen, as Craig said the other day, amen doesn't mean, oh, yeah, okay. Amen means, yes, I'm willing to be part of it. Now you're going to be really careful when I ask you to say amen. What's my point? My point is, I'd love for every single person to have a hunger, a desire, an expectation for God to speak, for God to show and reveal the assignment, the masterpiece that he's called you to be, and that for each one of us to understand that so that we can be part of the story. That's the whole point of commissioning. And it's vital that we get this, and you're going to see why it's vital. I'm going to show you your motivation in a minute, but before I do that, I want you to see some other examples, because I just like to prove that the Bible's true, in case you're doubting. So let's turn. Acts chapter 13. There's a guy we meet. We've met him before, but we see him as someone different. Verse 13, Acts 13, verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Here we see prophetic insight. God initiates, God speaks. The Holy Spirit said, this is what I want you to do. There was prayerful consideration. Please, please understand, we do not rush into appointments. We do not rush into just throwing things around willy-nilly. There is careful weighing, careful praying, and a discerning, an agreement that we can move. And that's the same with any prophetic word. Any prophetic word is like that. And then they were released. They were acknowledged, commissioned, and sent on their way. And that initiated the first missionary trip of who we now know as Paul. But at that moment, he was commissioned. Paul, on his journey, does many great wonders. One of the things that he did was he raised a spiritual son called Timothy. And he writes him a couple of letters. And in, first, in the first letter, 1 Timothy, in chapter 4, he gives him a little reminder. And it just reminds us of what God is doing when he brings us into his story as he had done with this young man, Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Paul is reminding his son Timothy, look, God said something over your life, and now we're, good to, we're called to be faithful stewards of that. 
God said he would anoint you and appoint you, and he has. There was a spiritual gift imparted to you when we laid on of hands and agreed that God had said you were a leader of the church. Now be careful to protect that. God spoke. It was received, and there was prayer and a laying on of hands, and then there was enablement as Paul empowered Timothy to be the leader of the church. Are you doing okay? Okay. One more example, because I don't want you just to think that it's for the leaders. So let's go back to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. The believers, meaning the believers in Jesus, the new church, rapidly multiplied, but there were rumblings of discontent. (laughs) Surely not in the church. Well, that doesn't happen today, but it did here. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. Oh, my goodness, it never happens in the church. People arguing with one another. Never. But it happens here. they They were saying that their widows were being discriminated against. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, come on. We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running the food program. So, let us select seven men who are well-respected, full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them the responsibility. And then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word of God. Well, this just unveils a whole lot of new things. God spoke in response to a problem, identified some people, and they were commissioned, if you read in verse 6, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them, as they laid their hands on them. They were called out. They were appointed and recognized with the laying on of hands to do that which God had called them to do. Why? So the apostles could do what God called them to do. Very important. God desires that each one of us should have a knowledge of where we fit in his masterpiece, the piece of the puzzle that we are in his picture, his picture, and that we be part of something bigger, than ourselves. That's what Acts chapter 6 says to me. As a segue, I'd like to show a video. Uh, It's just short. I got some highlights of of an interview that Francis Chan did. He was on a panel with a man, the late uh, Ravi Zacharias. And, And Francis is answering a question. It's on a panel. But I just want you to hear briefly what Francis Chan says because it relates to us yeah, as a church. When I look at what, what is written in John, you know, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so at the love in that passage anyway is talking about this, mm-hmm. uh, about it's it's... It's true that like the people in the world, if I confront any type of sin in their life, they would see that as unloving. There's, there's, nothing you, there's nothing we can do about that. That's just the way they have redefined love. But what we can control is in the church, that we are honest with one another. But he says the way that they're going to know uh, that, that you're my disciples is, is this. And this is where we're losing it. And what are, what are we doing right now to pursue this oneness that Christ wants of us? I, I said this at the luncheon earlier. Um, man, I love this man. 
uh, the first time we met, I don't even remember when it was, but I remember just, maybe it wasn't the very first time, but I remember just one time, because, okay, I'm not an apologist. Most of you guys know that. Okay. I'm just, <laughs> I, I've tried, you know, it's like my mind goes so far. And, and so I need brothers like this so badly. You know, it used to be back in the 90s when a pastor felt like he just had to be everything. I got to know more than everyone else. But, but now it's just like, okay, I just can't, I can't do it. All. I'm not going to be the best Bible teacher or the, the best scholar and the best counselor and the best leader and the best apologist. So I need this. But, but I remember, you know, one of the times, Robbie, you know, I, it might have been our first time meeting and we were both going to speak in an event. And he just comes up to me and just hugs me and tells me how much he loves me and thanks God. I think he just started praying, God, it is such an honor to share the stage with this man. Francis, I'm so honored to be on the same stage. Do you know what that does for a person who's already feeling insecure and, and everything else? And then him saying, no, I'm honored to be with you. Your contribution to the body of Christ, like a father, like love. It was so foreign to me to be loved by a scholar, seriously, and valued by one. Now, the fact that that feels so foreign is an indictment of where we're at. And, and sometimes in my zeal for something, I forget that my number one call is to love you deeply, like for this oneness. And, and the Bible is saying when that happens in the church, that's when the world's going to know that we're his disciples, and that's what we need to fight Amen. for. Amen. What's the point? We need each other. Everybody fits somewhere. Nobody fits nowhere. So what is the main thing you should think about doing as a result of the message this morning? What's the action for each one of us? And uh, interestingly, just a little statement came out of the prayer time this Tuesday when the elders met last Tuesday, and we were praying for you as we do. And Richard, in his prayer, has this little phrase that I just, my eyes popped open and I wrote it down. Because I'm like, man, that's good. And it applies directly to this. And here's the phrase. This is your action. Find and bind. Say this. My action is to find and bind. See, jigsaw pieces are made to fit together. But the whole reason that this is so frustrating, because you've got to spend a lot of your time finding the right piece. So find is the first part. But then when you find where it fits, you bind them together. They joined. They were made to go together because they were shaped like that by the creator of the picture. See, in the same way there's many pieces in this puzzle, you're not made to be isolated. You're not made to be forgotten. You're not made to be uh, underutilized or unused. You're not a picture on your own. I'm really sorry to tell you that. None of us are. You're not a picture in isolation. You're made to fit somewhere. Romans chapter 12, Ashley read this earlier. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, meaning us as the church. 
We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to one another. May I, at the risk of being repetitive, read again 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. Same author, same context, we are the same audience. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. What's the point? We need each other. Our job of the journey is to find our place and bind with those that are alongside, that we fit somewhere as part of a bigger picture. Find and bind. That's your assignment. And why is that critical? Because I often find with humans, if there's no reason or no motivation, then there's no action. It's always like to find the motivation that might help with the action. And it's this. One simple statement. An incomplete picture does not glorify the Creator. An incomplete picture does not glorify the Creator. Each one of us a part of something bigger that brings glory to God. And when we miss our assignment or we miss our placement or we're still discovering who we are, the finished picture is not there for others to see. So a couple of basic things to think about. All the pieces in this box will apparently go together. Doug confirms all the pieces in this box go together. In the same way, what is just a theory for us at the moment, is all the pieces in this box go together. Apparently. But the pieces in this box don't go in this picture. And the pieces in this box don't form part of that picture. This is why our role is to find and bind. You have to know where you fit. Think about this. Seven thoughts, if you're really practical when it comes to jigsaw puzzles. Seven quick thoughts before I finish. If it don't fit, it don't fit. The worst thing that I see in the church is a square peg in a round hole. If it don't fit, it don't fit. Secondly, sometimes you need to reorientate a piece before it can fit. Consider that. Thirdly, shift your perspective, shift what you see. Shift your perspective, shift what you see. Fourthly, see the picture the Creator sees. Too many people are trying to build their own empires because they've got a picture of what they think their future is. And we miss the mark, and I've given you plenty of testimonies in my life of doing this, where we are building something that God didn't ask us to build. What's my point? See the picture that the Creator sees. Work on that. 
As we discussed fitting together on Tuesday at the elders' meeting, one of the guys said this. I think it was Phil. If the surrounding pieces aren't yet in place, then where do you fit? And the point of that is that we're to come together. And maybe you've got to find where you bind, and maybe that's a new connection or a significant relationship. Number six, some people have a high-level view and some people have a close-up view. That's just, I mean, that's reality in when we do jigsaw puzzles at home. Someone likes to stand on a chair to look at the table. Gives you a different view, apparently. And finally, if there's a piece missing, the puzzle is incomplete. Everybody fits somewhere. Nobody it's nowhere. If I could get the band on stage, we're going to build an opportunity for you to hear from God. As I've prepared this message, I'm really searching God's heart for where he wanted us to land it. So before I tell you that, let me recap. What does the word commission mean? It means to lay charge on or give charge to. That God has got an assignment for you as part of his masterpiece. This is not just discovering what to do, but discovering who God calls you to be. You're not just commissioned to do something. God commissions you to be someone. Why? Because everybody fits somewhere. Nobody fits nowhere. There are three keys or parts to the commissioning process, and we're going to commence the first one right now. Prophetic insight. God speaks. God always initiates. God speaks. Secondly, there's a laying on of hands in prayer. And thirdly, there's a commissioning where it's acknowledged and it's enabled in connection as we find and bind. So the band have got a couple of songs and and, um, I'm really um, expecting that there's a space there where you can connect with God. Um, As I've been praying into this time, I really felt that God wanted to spark something in people this morning. And I'm going to make prophetic ministry available. Uh, That was my original intention. Uh, If you want a prophetic word, then come and find me over this side. We're just not in front of the camera. We'll do it over there. Um, And that's cool. But more importantly, as we were praying this morning, as the band were playing, practicing, really felt God say to me that he was going to speak to people without receiving ministry. That sitting in the pews, where you are right now, God desires to speak to you. God desires to initiate, to bring revelation, to bring an insight into what he prepared in you and for you before the beginning of time. God is a creator that is calling us to discover where we fit in his masterpiece and the narrative of what he's doing in Te Aumuru. And I'm urging you this morning to seek that. And not just for us here, but for those at home. Those of you that are at home, we've been praying for you this morning that you too would be activated by the Word of God and receive the Spirit of God in your lounge room, in your car if you're driving, that you would receive a revelation from God, an insight as to what's in His heart for you. God is not limited by location, eh? 
He's not limited by technology or lack of it. God can move powerfully. So I want you to stand with us as we move into a time of worship. These songs were chosen by the band specifically to bring us to a place of response, to a place of surrender, to a place where we would be as Joshua was. And we would say, what would you like to say to me this morning, Lord? So today again, as we do this, expect to hear from God prophetic insight, a reminder of something that has been before or perhaps something new. If you'd like someone to pray with you, come and find one of the leaders. But I'm fully expectant that God is going to speak to people this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your scriptures that bring us to a place of enlightenment. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that works in partnership with the Word of God to activate us to respond in faith. And I declare today that faith is a gift we receive from you. We don't earn it, we receive it from our Father in heaven. So faith in the room now to receive what God has got for us. Come Holy Spirit and minister afresh to us this morning.